Hey everyone, welcome to the Business Alabama podcast from Business Alabama Magazine. I'm Alec Harvey, Executive Editor of Business Alabama Magazine, and my guest today is Anna Lauder, Co-Founder and Director of Hampstead, a community in Montgomery, and Principal of Mercer Home. On this episode, Anna talks about her introduction to and implementation of new urbanism, as well as the future of Hampstead and some other projects. Please join me as I talk to Anna Lauder on the Business Alabama podcast. Anna Lauder, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Alec. It's great to be here. Can you give me the Anna Lauder story uh, pretty much leading up to what we're going to talk about today? So yeah, I grew up in Montgomery. And uh, when I finished high school here, I went off to college. I started first at Washington and Lee University in Virginia. It was a really great school, but it was a little too small of a town for me. And so I ended up actually going to London through Boston University's study abroad program. And I just fell in love with the city. It, it was, it's still one of my favorite cities in the world, but I, it's so livable and beautiful. And it just felt like a great place for me. And I ended up spending a year there and I had uh, built up so much, so many credits that I thought, Hey, now I'm finished here. Maybe I should look at Boston university's main campus back in the States. So I uh, ended up moving to Boston and uh, lived there and finished school. I studied uh, journalism and their college of communication. And um, again, I love that city. You know, it, it feels a lot like London. You know, the urbanism is great. The architecture has been preserved. The parks are woven throughout the city. And it was just beautiful. Uh, but when I finished there, I thought, what, what, what should I do now? And I ended up going back to London and uh, lived there for five years. And that's where I met my uh, future husband and uh, business partner. We decided after sort of studying the history of urbanism and the way London had been developed over time, specifically the neighborhood north of London's city proper, uh, which is called Hampstead. You know, the, the history of how that developed over time, it was one of the first garden suburbs in the world. And uh, the idea was that you're, you're close enough to a city and town life, but you integrate residential and civic uses and park spaces and, um, you know, village centers. And we, we had looked at that and we had, um, I'd been very familiar with uh, new urbanism, which is a, a way of uh, town planning and city planning that had been developed over time, really spearheaded by Andreas Duani and his firm, Duani Platter Zyberg, based in Florida. And I was familiar with their work from being so close to 30A, you know, in the panhandle. So they had designed, obviously, uh, Seaside and uh, Rosemary Beach at that time was under construction. And what would come was Alice Beach. And so their work was really impressive. And we thought, that could be something that would be really interesting to do in a place like Montgomery. And that's kind of how we got back here. So for those of us not familiar with the term new urbanism, but we're very familiar with the beaches of 30A, that's what we're talking about, the type of, of living there. Correct, correct. So w- what it is essentially is mixed-use planning, the way that towns and cities used to be 
But what had happened over time, really since the post-World War II era, is that zoning laws had changed and it prevented things like residential and commercial being mixed together or schools being near houses in a walkable setting. And so what uh, Andres Duani and his firm and a lot of his colleagues did was develop a new way of writing a zoning code that could be applied to different cities or municipalities, which would allow this to be legal. And so that's how we developed our project uh, in Montgomery, Hampstead. It's also how other towns and cities had started to redevelop their city centers that had been neglected over time. So you loved London, you loved Boston. I'm talking to you back in Montgomery. How did that happen? <laughs> a great question. I ask myself that all the time, Alec. Uh, obviously, I like cities and, and that was great, but sometimes you feel like you need to try something new after a while. And so the idea was, well, Montgomery is a is an interesting town. It's a great place. It has a lot of history, complicated history. You know, you've got civil war and you've got civil rights and there's a lot going on, but it's downtown, it's core at that time had really experienced a lot of disinvestment and, you know, people had fled as they do in many cities and towns, they'd fled East or West or South or whatever it was um, for, for residential. And at that time, no one was living downtown in Montgomery. You can't picture how different it was then from what it looks like now. You know, there was a great building stock still there and we thought it's not that much of a risk. It could be an interesting adventure and there was a building that had been a former warehouse and it was just sitting there abandoned, but it had really good bones to it. And we said, okay, we, you know, we see this happening in Atlanta. You see this happening elsewhere. We could try it here. And so we did a, um, a loft renovation in that warehouse building on court street. It was, it was an interesting experience. You know, there's a lot that goes on when you do a renovation, a lot of surprises, but uh, ultimately it turned out really, really well lived in it and experienced it. And then we uh, decided we would do other development, but maybe not a renovation. <laughs> so we started doing... Been there, done that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. We started doing urban infill. That was our next project where we would find in already established beautiful neighborhoods like in Montgomery and Cloverdale, we would find land or you know take down a, a, a house that had been abandoned and build something new that had the character of the surrounding neighborhood. And one of those was a former A&P grocery store. Is that correct? Yes. So, uh, and, and hence the name, it was, we called it the A&P Lofts. So it was a, an abandoned A&P grocery store and a big parking lot around it and a chain link fence all around it. And it was in the middle of this really great part of Cloverdale. So we uh, approached um, McAlpin Tankersley Architects at the time. And Bobby McAlpin is just an incredibly talented architect. And their office was in Montgomery. And we said, well, wouldn't this be great if we could bring something that was alive and something beautiful to this part of town? And so we did, um, it was the first new construction mixed use development in Montgomery in uh, somewhere around 80 or 100 years. It was, it was interesting, um, but it essentially retail on the ground floor, seven different buildings, and uh, residential above. And the lofts were two stories and you had a central courtyard for events. And it was really great. And then to, to complete that and see the rest of the neighborhood, this, the village center around it, start to renovate and come back to life was 
was really one of the, the best aspects of that project. Yeah, I didn't realize until you were talking that you are among, if not if not the pioneer, you were among the pioneers of rebuilding uh, these areas of Montgomery. That's got to be daunting and exciting at the same time. Is it was it scary and fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you learn a lot. I mean, that's the best way I can um, put it. It it was exciting. A, a lot of people thought we were crazy, but it's very rewarding. And um, you know, we we. Ended up, we received an award from the Congress of the New Urbanism. It was Alabama's first charter award. So it was for neighborhood uh, incremental development and infill. And that, that was nice to be recognized, you know, by a group of your peers that you really respect. But also it was equally nice just to see how that revitalized that part of Cloverdale. It felt like a, a civic duty. <laughs> <laughs> and then came Hampstead. Yes. So it, it, interestingly, during that process, while we were designing and starting construction on the A&P, we had a tract of land that was completely different, you know, greenfield development in East Montgomery. And we had reached out to Andreas Duani and DPZ and said, okay, this could go one of two ways. This could be a traditional suburban development, you know, two units, three units to the acre. Or we could try something really different. And that's the path we chose. <laughs> so uh, we brought DPZ in to do the master plan for Hampstead. And overall, Hampstead is 416 acres. And um, we designed the master plan during a shred in 2005. It took three years to get you know all the utilities to the site and get the site work started and we started out actually building the town center first. And that is a pretty different approach from what other communities, new urbanist communities have done. You know, typically you'll build the residential so you have enough rooftops to seed retail right. and commercial. Well, we kind of decided that Montgomery was so new to this. And it was one of those issues of you have, you can't tell them and promise it. You have to show them. And therefore, they can experience it. And so that's what we did. We started with the two main uh, commercial buildings in the town center. They're they're monumental, architectural, beautiful, beautiful work. Gary Justice out of Birmingham designed the buildings, and they're they're stunning. We also opened in October of 2008. (laughs) I think it was the week that Lehman Brothers crashed and everything was falling apart. So... It was a little frightening, but we pushed through and and here we are. And so, uh, you know, as the buildings were wrapping up, we were starting the residential. And so within a few years, you know, we had enough rooftops here and the recession had started to ease a bit. And so we, we, you know, we were able to pivot given the flexibility of our, our zoning, which was really one of the most important aspects to to what we have here in Hampstead. When the economy went south, we were able to say, okay, we need to pull back. We don't need to build 4,000 square foot houses. We need to be able to build townhomes or we need to be able to build family homes because we need to have more families, more life here. So we were able to kind of move around without asking for any changes with the city or any approvals. And that flexibility has really been one of the best aspects of what we do here. 
you know, sitting here talking about this, Anna, and we mentioned the beaches at 30A, you know, now this sounds, I don't want to say it sounds normal, but, but it doesn't, I mean, it just sounds like a really neat development. Back then it must've sound, sounded totally foreign to people. Completely. Like they, <laughs> again, they really thought we were all crazy. Um, but you have to put yourself in the perspective that this was before, you know, terms like live, work, play were right. so common, like completely unknown. And especially in a market like Montgomery, possibly Atlanta, maybe Birmingham was starting, but in Montgomery, it's, it is a very average American city, you know, it's a capital city. And people just thought, what are they doing? But over time, you know, as we established more homes, more commercial, more civic spaces, more amenities, the whole picture starts to become cohesive. And, you know, once people can pull in and walk or drive down a street and see street trees and sidewalks and homes and different sizes and different ages of people and uh, activity, it starts to click and you don't have to explain it. They can see it. It's, it's, it's fine to be one of the pioneers as long as you get it right. <laughs> so I feel like we worked at it long enough and hard enough and, and we got it right. <laughs> Can you give me a sense of the scope of Hampstead? You're talking about the different types of homes. How many are we talking about? What, what kind of phases are we talking about? Where are we with sure. it? So uh, overall, again, 416 acres. And the way that it's designed, the way that DPC designed it, you, you essentially have three neighborhood cores that's built around the new urbanist theory of the five minute walk. So from a center of a neighborhood, an average person will be fine walking five minutes in any direction, as long as what they're looking at is interesting. You know, it's like you wouldn't walk five minutes a parking lot, but five minutes down a nice street and you're looking at nice homes and you're waving at neighbors and there's parks, you'll do that. So essentially three cores that wrap around our lake, which is in the center. And we're uh, basically built out of the first neighborhood section, which is where our town center is. When you pull in off Taylor Road, you come to really great neighborhood center. We've got three restaurants. Montessori School is located there. We've got um, um, hundreds of thousands of square feet of office space and, you know, just outdoor parks. And it's, it's really nice. And then the houses sort of wrap around all of that. Um, so we finished what I would call our neighborhood one. We're on to neighborhood two. We are in phase six of development. And you've got to bear in mind, things were slower during the Great Recession. So hitting phase six, which we just completed, um, you know, six months ago is great. And then we're already looking at uh, phase seven to start site work probably end of next year. So the demand is there. Everything is moving along as we would like. And just over time, we'll add more and more amenities more as we build more and more houses. And our plan is to wrap around the lake, moving east, come around. And we've probably got 10 more years at this project and plenty to do. <laughs> And with Hampstead came uh, Mercer Home. Can you tell me about Mercer Home? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we're, you know, realizing, okay, we're under construction with this neighborhood, you know, there's a couple of different ways developers do this. They can just do land development and sell lots to other, other builders. But 
Obviously, my family history, we've been in real estate since the 1950s. So we do land development and we do residential building. So Mercer Home is uh, my uh, residential building company. We've been building here in Hampstead since 2008. So we're approaching. Oh, we're at our 15th year. And we do houses of all types. And so, and I think that's one of the more interesting parts about us. You know, a lot of people just specialize in one thing. You do the same thing over and over again. We do everything from live work units to townhomes to courtyard homes, zero lot line homes, estate homes, custom homes. It's really all about what's the right product for that lot and that block and that location. And then we make modifications and come up with new plans or build favorite plans. And uh, we have a great team. It's really fun. I believe your bio says that you split your time between Hampstead and Alice Beach, which, of course, is one of those beaches we're talking about. I guess this is a chicken or egg question. Uh, did you move to Alice Beach after you got into all of this? Or did you did you know Alice Beach and really appreciate the new urbanism down there and brought it? to what you're doing? Probably the latter. So Alice Beach, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. The execution, uh, the architecture, the implementation is unrivaled anywhere that I've been in the world. So it is definitely something to be admired and studied. And, you know, I've, I've looked at that and we've been back and forth for years going down there, but just analyzing all the details and the way that they execute is, has been really helpful for us here. Uh, having said that, who wouldn't want to live in Alice Beach? So it's one of those aspirational places where everything feels perfect and every, everything's beautiful. So we had wanted to build there and, and we've built houses there and, and sold them. And then COVID hit and we had an opportunity to renovate a home there and live there because our, you know, obviously schools were closed and then we did. I homeschooled my kids for a while, which was interesting, but, uh, you know, I was able to do that remotely. And so that's kind of where that living and traveling back and forth came. It really came as a product of COVID. Now that things are back on track, I do spend much, much more time here. And now that things are so busy again, it's, it's good, but it's, it is great as an escape place. (laughs) And we talked about the future of Hampstead and you, you talked about it being probably another 10 years of, of growth there. Is that it for you as far as these communities? Are you focusing on Hampstead solely or do you have others in mind? I have to say that I think one thing about me is like I tunnel vision it. And so I've, I've made Hampstead my sole focus since 2008 and I'm fine doing that. You know, I'm happy to impart knowledge and help other people out if they ask questions about other communities, which is one of the better aspects about new urbanists and new urbanist developers, happy to share information and do things like that. But as a large scale project, I think this is, this is my, um, this is my best work. (laughs) You know, I, I would, I would be interested, you know, in partnering with uh, friends or other developers and doing smaller scale infill development in the right markets. You know, like I said, I do love cities. So, you know, somewhere in Birmingham, uh, you know, we've looked at Huntsville, Atlanta, anything like that, but not of this scale. This this takes a lot. <laughs> you you don't want another twenty five year project. Then, no, right? I'm good with travel. <laughs> we we can wrap this up at some point. 
Well, Anna, I, I like to wrap these podcasts up with a group of questions that I call business casual. And, and that's because most of them should take you out of your business frame of mind and talk more about pop culture. Doesn't necessarily take you out of business, but uh, I want to know what you're watching and listening to. What's the last movie you saw? You ready for this? I'm ready for it. The Barbie movie. And I loved it. It was fantastic. Do you listen to podcasts? Can you tell me about what you're listening to? I do. I have to say one of my favorites is Smartless. It's just hilarious. The interaction with the three men is hilarious and the guests are great. So that's one of my favorites. I have been listening to the Succession podcast with Kara Swisher because I'm more than obsessed with Succession. I think it's one of the all-time great series on TV. And the last one probably I would say is The Happiness Lab. Lori Santos, She she's a, a professor and she interviews people and it's all about what makes you happy, what brings long-term happiness. Uh, do you have time to read books? You're, you're very busy, but uh, can, can you pick up a good book? Okay, so I'll tell you this. I was an English major. I used to read all the time. I'm finding that my attention span is much shorter. So I like to read more long form journalism. I'm into like really interesting Atlantic articles or Bitter Southerner. Love that. And then I have to tell you that if if you really want to know all the books that I have stacked up, they're all cookbooks. And I'm happy to say that I love cooking and I'll pour over them and collect them. And that's how I spend my free time. Uh, and I know Succession is gone, but are you binging any TV series these days? Yes, I am. Uh, and I'm glad you said that because Succession was going to be on the top of my list as my all-time favorites. But uh, also uh, The Bear, which is amazing. And it kind of ties in my city love and cooking love. So <laughs> it's got everything. So finally, the, the, the last question may be more business oriented. It may not be. I'm sure you have gotten a lot of advice along the way from, from family and friends and clients and ev- everywhere. What's the best advice or one or two pieces of the best advice you've ever been given? So I, this is an interesting question. And in thinking about it, um, two popped up. And obviously... I've been lucky to have a lot of good people around me who are very intelligent and successful, and they are great people to take advice from or learn from. So the first one that came to mind was Andreas Duani and his uh, lesson about the third fist. He He said that to me at first, and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he explained it. He said, it's, it's like a boxing analogy. You're there and you're ready. You're ready for the right and the left the two fists and you're moving and doing everything you're supposed to that you've trained yourself for. But what you have to look out for is the third fist. It's what you don't expect. And it comes at you and you have to be ready to adapt and pivot and be flexible. So I would say that because that analogy just sticks in my head all the time. And the, the second would be, it's just something I've lived my life. I don't know if it came from my father. I don't know if it, if I made it up, but it's a basic, simple phrase. Like it's just hope for the best, expect the worst. And the worst is the third fist or anything. So it's all about planning and then being able to deal with what comes at you. Well, Anna Louder, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on the podcast. It's been great. I've had so much fun with you. My thanks to Anna Louder of Hampstead and Mercer Home 
and to you, the listener, for joining me today on the Business Alabama podcast. Until next time, this is Alec Harvey. Find more from Business Alabama in our monthly magazine and online at businessalabama.com.